Podcast. I have an excellent guest today, Eric Reynolds. Eric, welcome to the show, brother. We're going to talk about cops and campers, man. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited with this trailer coming out and then the movie coming out soon. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, I just saw the trailer, man. So it's pretty cool, man. I like this concept. It's like, that's one thing about, like, man, I'm getting close to retiring. You've retired. And just in general, is not having that. I'm not looking forward to not having that core. But not having that mission, not having the people around me, the brotherhood, the sisterhood. And the cops and campers things kind of resonates, man. And I looked at the trailer. It's really cool. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Back in 2018, I did something similar. It was called Cops and Camp. I'm sorry, Cops and Cabins, where eight of us went to the Blue Ridge Mountains in a cabin. Most of us didn't know each other. Most of them were retired, but I was still on the job. And it was three days of them just, we just talked. It was therapeutic. It was like a retreat program. We had no barriers to, you know, it was just open. Nobody's going to go back and tell anybody anything. And we all have our stories. And one of the guys, Patrick Shaver was a, you know, film director. And he was also a cop in Atlanta at the time. So he filmed it and made a short little movie about 19 minutes. And I looked at that. I remember how important that event was to see myself on video. Cause I, at that time I was close to 250 pounds. I was heavily metabolically sick and that started my journey toward doing the ketogenic way of eating and then pretty much carnivore. And I lost the 75 pounds, but as the cops and campers thing grew, I remembered that experience. And with the whole flag incident that happened and meeting cops and military and every, you know, fire and all first responders throughout our travels, I was like, man, we should do something to bring us together like therapy. And then I plan on bringing in the nutrition to try to get them off med- med- you know, medicine and pills because we drive we usually die about 12 years faster than the average dude and he dies already too young so i'm thinking about enjoy your pension be able to move around and still be active and not crippled you know so that's kind of how the my journey was started with cops and campers i like that active and don't become a cripple because it's easy to fall into that man like you know when you get into these dark spots these depression areas or god forbid you're suffering i shouldn't say god forbid but let's say you suffer from PTS. There's some times where like, you know, me, I'm like, I'm one of those guys where it's like, I gain weight because I, I stress eat. You know, when you, when you're not touching a bottle or something, you're always touching something that's going to, it hurts harmfully your body. And you could become like, you know, you and I both have like the similar thing where you got really big and it's hard to get off the couch and your blood pressure is raised and you don't even want to go on those walks, but you need that first furtive gesture to get you out the door, you know? And I, I want to talk about your journey of, like, why? I mean, how hard was it to get to that point? And why did you take that step? Was it kind of like, if I didn't do this, I'm dead? Well, a lot of, you know, I was diagnosed with heart disease. They, you know, I, they said I had a lot of, um, I did a CAC score that was like 1,500. They started scaring me with my arteries being clogged. And they started talking stents and all kinds of stuff like that. And I couldn't figure it out. I always worked out. You know, I played football. I was kind of a gym rat, but I didn't like, you know, I didn't work out two, three hours, but I was in there daily and I had a routine and I ran, you know, I tried to keep cardio in and I played a lot of basketball, especially the older I got. I was still gaining weight. 
you know, when I got hired, I think as a cop, I was 220 and here I am approaching 245. And I know I had two kids and, you know, life. And of course, I think the biggest thing that happened to me was in my shooting in 2012, where I got shot and then we were forced to kill the shooter. The PTSD started creeping in. And as Dr. Kevin Gilmartin said, and, you know, his officer survival book, all the cortisone levels started rising in me all the time, being hot, you know, super vigilant all the time. And just, you know, the stress eating late at night, drinking alcohol to calm my central nervous system down, you know, and I didn't know all this was going on. I just knew I was getting head. You know, and then one guy I played basketball with lost 50 pounds. And he says, yeah, I did this thing called keto. And I thought it was like some martial arts or some new crossfit. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, I, no, seriously, I, I thought the same thing. Like when when it first started to be like getting popular and stuff, I'm like keto. I'm like, yeah, I know, right? It sounds like it. So I looked into it, you know, and I, I started understanding it and understanding about man, I'm over carbed, you know, all, all that carbohydrates and processed foods I've eaten has actually poisoned me, and you know, maybe put on like extra fuel, you know, through my whole body, and then understand I'm obviously surviving or running on ketones and then burning the fat. And I really dove in it, meal planning. I started fasting because I didn't want to get hooked on meds. I didn't want any stents going in me. And I had an officer buddy pass away of a heart attack. Great, He was in great shape, but he had stents put in previously. So I was always skeptical. Mm -hmm. I'm always skeptical of any medical procedures. I mean, I go back to the pharmaceutical and the opiate crisis down in South Florida. And I've seen the ugly side of that side. We've arrested doctors and pill mill operations and all this stuff. So it's like, now I, my, my brother had cardiac issues and, uh, unfortunately it was due to taking too much ephedra and cocaine Oof. and, but that destroyed his heart and he got the stent and then he eventually, uh, suffered a massive heart attack and died. So, I mean, yeah. there's so you just don't know. I mean, and that's the thing is like, once your heart gets at a certain point, you start doing a stance and the medication. And if you're not taking care of yourself, it's like eh, you're at a point, you know. Yeah, and I, I got lucky. After my shooting, six months later, I, I got an evidence job. The typical oh, desk job, banker mm -hmm. hours, off the road, off the grind. Still had responsibilities like Alpha Bravo for hurricanes and still doing details to make extra money, you know. So I'm still out there, but not as much. But I still was gaining weight, man, and I still was having... And I, I could looking back, I could see the progression of the hypervigilance everywhere I go, being stressed out, not letting my family go out. Let's not be as social as we were. I'm not going to mm -hmm. sit And that started my journey with trying to get help. And then that was the whole other thing with workers' comp, battling with them. They find cover my, you know, physical injuries from my foot and my leg. But when it comes to the mental side, they they were reluctant. I had to go before a board of four attorneys on their side and literally break down. To get the help that I needed, but you know what? Mm -hmm. I, did it. I got the help. Met Dr. Barnett in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, who's worked with a lot of first responders, and he set me straight. Man, he goes, Eric, you're gonna have to learn how to dance with this because it was your central nervous system, and your body's scared now because you you tried it your way and you almost got killed. Now your body's kind of taken over at times, and that's I was like, all right, he can relate to what I'm going through, and that helped me you know, understand what I'm going through. And then he shared it with my wife and kids and talked to them. And, you know, it became more of a family. Let's all beat this together. And luckily I had them. I couldn't imagine going through that if I was divorced, trying to manage, you know, girlfriend on the side and out booze with my friends. I mean, I can see why we lose our cool, especially the longer we go in our careers. You know? Well, that's the other thing too, is you're getting the lessons learned and you're, you're, you're spreading the wealth. You know, a lot of people don't know all this stuff and they have to learn 
the hard way or the long way, or sometimes it's even too late. Now, is that kind of where the concept of the cops and campers comes in? So now you could actually talk with different people, different people around here. You could spread the message. You could. What's well, the concept behind it? Well, I was never a camper. I was never an <laughs> RV guy. I didn't even know how to tow anything, right? Except maybe somebody on my bicycle. So we, my wife started indoctrinating me with tiny house shows and let's put a storage tanker in the woods and build off. I'm like, tree houses. I had to put my foot down. I'm like, girl, you're crazy, right? And you know, I met the brother who was a cop and we went camping together and I said, you know what, let's sell our house. I'll retire early. Let's go travel. We'll find another place to live. And I knew, you know, South Florida prices, my pension will probably stretch further in another area. And we did it. We sold everything we had, minimized, got a, you know, a big ass truck and a camper and 2020 hit and it was a COVID year. And then you oh, have the yeah. riots and stuff. And I just retired. And I was like, am I in a bizarre world? Because a year before I was in New York hanging out with some friends of mine, walking the streets. And it was like a complete reversal, right? Well, as we're traveling the country over the next year, I always had my thin blue line flag up. You know, I got both. I got the American flag with the blue line in it. And then I got the regular black one with the blue line. And I have the American flag. I got cops and campers flag. But at this time, I didn't have cops and campers. So we ended up at a campground in New York. And a lot of people would walk up to me, hey, you're, you're law enforcement. And I say, I'm retired. And they're like, you're retired? You look like you're 35 years old. I go, no, I'm 53, but I take care of myself. <laughs> we break the ice. I share little stories, try to help people, pick up clients as I go. And it was great. You know, I'm not having to handle any paperwork, dispatching, calling me. So I'm like, hey, this is a cool way to go. And New York, a guy rolled up on me in a golf cart and he worked there. And he pretty much we had a little dispute because he told me to take down my flag. And there was Canadian flags there. There was military flags there. Um, I don't have a problem with anybody's flag, but I really took it personal. And on the video, you can see me go from cool to red real fast. You know, I dropped a couple of profanities on them. And we just drove six hours from Niagara Falls to get there. So I was like, man, we're gonna, what are we going to do now? So mm -hmm. I decided, all right, they own the property. They don't own my truck. So I put the flag in my truck, decided to sleep on it for a night. And I reached out to all my friends and they're all like, I'd leave that camp. Blah, blah, blah. You know how much work it takes to pack up and leave a campground and yeah. nowhere else to go. And I'm not trying to scare my kids because they kind of heard what was going down. And so I decided I went on social media, started posting about it. And I put my wife said, put everything you have that's police. Let's put it outside. So my police blanket became the tablecloth. All my T-shirts became chair covers. I had every cup, mug jacket hat i had and was out there right like i was selling stuff and then everyone in the campground kept walking up talking to me and it became i became like mr popular i was like hmm. oh this is awesome i'm spreading the word about hey we're all good people there's nothing racist about the flag i don't know what their issue was and then hudson valley news came out did a story on it and big frog radio had me interviewing me live and i was like wow this is pretty crazy all over a flag and then my camping group suspended me for two months Ugh. Because I was belligerent to staff, which nah, I didn't really argue with them. I was just mad about the flag. And I was like, man, what are we going to do now? And then four different campsites in upstate New York, from Ithaca to Ogdensburg to Cape Vincent to Chautauqua, reached out and said, hey, come bring your flag, your family, and your rig. You're staying with us for a week or two, whatever you want. So we covered our stay, met you know, just pro first responder campgrounds. And I started remembering that cops and cabins thing I had done. Hmm. I was like, you know, maybe we should do somewhere we only go to pro first responder campgrounds, have a network, get us together, get some retreat programs, get some therapy, 
because therapy helped me. And it could be with diet, food addiction. It could be PTS. You know, all this stuff. I started brainstorming because I got more time on my hands than I did before when I was working. You know, and came up with the logo and the first campground in Ithaca, New York, Spruce Row. I called Scott after we'd stayed. And I go, hey, would you mind hosting an event? Is there room on the calendar? And he had a date opened up. And we sold it out. We had live music on Saturday, chicken barbecue. We had bonfire Friday night, which is meet and greet, movie for the kids so they can kind of be distracted while the adults talk shop. And you just walk up, you're like, hey, I'm Eric from Boynton Beach. And someone's like, you know, I'm John from El Paso PD or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, how is that? And you just break that. It's like going to a conference or something, you know, back when you met different people from different areas. Except now we're boozing and there's no gun. Well, we have guns. We ain't all in uniform and all professional. And it was just really therapeutic. You know, National Guard came out Saturday, bounce houses for the kids. So it really became like a family. We're all in this together. This is what the Thin Blue Line family is about. And we did a documentary. It's about 32-minute documentary that the same film director that I reached out to from Cops and Cabins. He came out. He did this. And there's so much footage. We had so much fun. Um, obviously, you start. You saw the way the movie started. That's no lie. You know, somebody loaned me the golf cart. And, <laughs> I broke it within like dude, two minutes, you know? So it was just but <laughs> the stories that we met, man, I met so many wives and husbands and I remember a couple of wives came up to and hugged me and they said, wow, our husband really needed this. He was kind of lost because retirement, like you were saying, it's coming. What's mm-hmm. he going to do? And that's why we fall in the working still, like whether it's school board, or you go down to your local, you know, sheriff's office or whatever, you, you know, you keep doing the grind. Yeah. I'm like, man, there's a whole network of us out there that, Love to sit around and talk that can help each other. We all have different skills besides being cops. You know, like now and I you have, do. And now with the nutrition and stuff, I can help guys stretching and do a little yoga. And come on, we got to keep your body moving to keep you young. And so that's where it pretty much started. And, you know, we're having our second event this June. If I don't know about the uh, area right now with that poor train derailment, and what's going on with the atmosphere? You know, I mean, I don't know if that's going to spread to Ithaca or not. You know, I but don't know. Right now it's still on. We want to repeat it. And the goal is to have three or four of these across the country, spread, like maybe in the Midwest, go out to Arizona, maybe go out to Utah. You know, obviously the Tennessee, North Carolina, the Southeast is going to have to have something. That's kind of what I'm dreaming about. Like, man, we could really bring it to that level. That'd be awesome, brother. I mean, it's really cool. It's such a cool concept because it's like you can go to like big venues and stuff, but there's just something about camping. You know, I love it, man. And you you and I were talking before the show about like, you know, you can rent a camper too. You don't have to go out and buy. There's plenty of rental campers out there. I mean, obviously, I remember during the uh, the COVID time, it was tough to find a camper, man. Because I thought about doing that too with the family and just rolling out with a camper somewhere. But nowadays, yeah, you can rent them all day long, brother. It's a great, and a lot of campgrounds have cabins too. So you can rent a little cabin, you know, if you're going to an event or you're meeting up with friends, you don't have to live in an RV or a trailer, you know, but it's always cool, man. When I rented our first one, we just showed up, the guy had it in. I was all intimidated and like, oh, do I have to do anything? He's like, no, you just, here's the key and here's like the awning button, Uh huh. the toilet and I was like, and then we walked, my wife is smart. She got us onto a beach location so I could just walk out to the beach and I was like, oh, oh yeah. This is therapy. This is living right here. So yeah, it was slow process to get us here, but man, what a fantastic journey in three years that we've been doing this. We saw five Great Lakes in 2021. We homeschool. Everything's hands-on learning, you know, working on farms. We did that last summer for three months. 
We learned everything from driving tractors and slaughtering animals, like stuff. I'm a Miami suburban kid. I didn't learn. (laughs) So it was, it was exciting. And I had my boys with me learning alongside of me, teaching them about their future and how they're going to have to probably be able to make their own food on some level, you know, and understand that way of living. Well, you brought up family too. And you have a really interesting story. Your mom is going to be portrayed in a Sophie Vergara Netflix series about like the old cocaine cowboys days called Griselda. So your mom was an LEO as well. So he's kind of come from that lineage. Yeah, I was the kid. Let's see. She got hired in 75. She was divorced, single, you know, she's Cuban. So she knew actually she got the job being able to speak the language. She moved up their rankings. I mean, she was an art major at Florida state before. Imagine that (laughs) from art major, probably miss hippie becoming a homicide sergeant in like six years. It's a total crazy journey for her, but she kicked ass. She was smart as a whip. You know, she could write good reports. She could really communicate. And they snatched her up in homicide during the Colombian cocaine cowboy. Oh, man. Because they needed somebody that could do wiretaps and listen in. They needed undercover stuff. And she was, you know, she looked like a white girl. So she would go into some of these restaurants and listen to these cartels talking business because they just thought she was some floozy. Mm-hmm. But she's getting intel. And I didn't know any of this was going on. I'm 10 years old. You know, I have police cars taking me to football practice, marked units, zone units or whatever, because my mom couldn't make it home because she's out there being policewoman. And all my friends on a football team would be like, man, would you get in trouble? I'm like, nah, my mom had one of her friends drop me off at practice. This is before they would tell on us. Now they tell on us or something. Video. <laughs> using this, you know, the states, you know, the, whatever, the taxpayer's money. So she was hard on me. Growing up, I had a list of chores. I mean, she she always told me I can't release a monster onto society. And mm-hmm. she tell her she can't tell me who my friends are. And she's like, yeah, not only will I, I have a duty to tell you who your friends are. I mean, just because she knew I was going to be taller than her and bigger than her one day. And then, you know, threatened me with the road units to come kick my butt if I didn't listen. So I was scared. I always had eyes out there, I thought, which I did. But. Well, this would be a cool experience for you to see your mom portrayed on a, like on the screen, man. Well, they they call me producers of the Narcos, and they're like, "Hey, we heard a podcast your mom did, and she was talking about your shooting." And I was like, "Oh," because it was cool to hear my mom's perspective as a cop about her son, mm-hmm. you know. And it's really interesting. I was listening. I was like, "Wow, this is fascinating." That's my mom, and at least I'm not getting a lecture. So. They go, hey, we want to do a Miami like Narcos type series. I didn't know it was going to be called Griselda or anything. And they're like, can we talk to her? So I called my mom. And my stepdad was also part of that unit back there. He was actually one of the responding detectives to the Dayland shooting when they shot up the liquor store. Oh, yeah. And they found that assault vehicle with all the automatic weapons and vests. And that's when, you know, I think my stepdad, Al Singleton, he was like, man, we have revolvers. We're looking at all this art. <laughs> We're in trouble, right? And of course, they started to send TAC unit, the gov, gov, you know, big government, USA got involved because there's probably money to be made. And next thing you know, she was on this task force doing undercover work. But yeah, they called me and said, We want to talk to your mom. So they flew out there and talked to both my mom and stepdad and got all their stories. And they loved it. They were writing everything down stuff that we would think is just regular, everyday work. They're like, Oh, that's great. You know, like just different perspectives. So, they, that's such a cool I, that's such a cool thing man yeah and the actress calls my mom and uh you know because the way a colombian would say something is different the way a cuban would say something. oh yeah they're going over the script and then i get a call from the actress i'm like oh my god you're playing my mom how crazy and here's this girl that's you know probably 20 years younger than me at least 
and she's playing my mom. But you know, we she was asking about room raids. So my mom, my mom would toss my room like I was in corrections. Or <laughs> okay, but that's her, awesome, man. Her point was it was dirty, and she'd pile everything in the middle of the room that was out of place. But I knew what she was doing. It was a good way for her to search it, right? So, me and uh, this actress were talking about it, and just all kinds of stuff that I was going through, and it was interesting. So now I guess they put it into a six-part series coming out. Now they're silent. We don't know if it's coming out this month, next week. There's some, you know, I don't know. But we heard it's, we heard it was in the spring. Yeah, and Netflix so, is weird how they do release things. It's like, okay, uh, hey, we're gonna have the show, but then all of a sudden it's like. It's on next week, and you're like, "Well, where's the buildup?" I'm like, "It's like weird. It's like bizarre." Yeah, looking forward to this one, man. There is a. It is cool. I talked to the one of the writers. He called me, and they asked if uh, they were going to have a. a ten, she's going to have a son in the in the show because they want to portray her. You know how the narcos, you yeah. know, they show both sides. How did Pablo become Pablo, and all this mm-hmm. stuff? So they're showing her life, and obviously she's a single mom. So now there's a little Eric on the show, and they go, "You want?" Uh, I'm like, "Yeah, I want to see my full name in there." <laughs> I don't have any impact. I'm not an advisor. I didn't get signed. Yeah. Some kid playing me. They asked for some pictures to match him up with what I looked like back then. So that's kind of cool, you know. And you know, I just hope it's a good show, and it really, you know, she gets a couple of seasons out of it to tell her story, and you know, and then we I have to get on. your mom on the show. Get both oh, you and you your mom. Woman. Yeah, we'll talk That's to you and her at the same time. We get this this father, uh, this uh, mother son dynamic. That'd be really cool, man. That'd be a cool show. I've never done anything like that. Well, maybe when the yeah. show, if we if I get a release date or something, like, yeah, we'll do that. Oh, man. Let's go talk, to Jason. Cool. I'm excited about this cops and campers. So are you going to turn this into a short? Yeah, it's a 32 minute just like documentary short. We're just going to put it out there for our lives to watch it. You know, I'm not trying to market it or anything. Yeah. I mean, when you think about when like, are you guys publishing it, the trailer's probably going to come out tomorrow. We're, we're with um, Officer Involved. That's uh, Patrick Shaver's uh, company. He did uh, the Deckler. I'm sorry, the Dink. What was it? The Dink Collar. Uh, remember the shooting that we all saw in Dink Heller? Yeah. And mm-hmm. he did a documentary on that, which is real powerful. But, you know, we all know how that ends, and it's a freaking such a sad tale but anyways he his company is one that's going to probably release and i'll share it on all my avenues and all my people and yeah man we'll, definitely we'll share it too next week we're hoping to release it so awesome brother well i'm excited to, about that and i'm also excited about criselda and everybody can find you online at keto 50 i like yeah, it man. Keto you know how i got that name how's that so when i lost uh I think it was about 50 pounds on my police department before I retired. People know it, especially small department. They're like, yeah. how'd you lose, you know, how'd you go down so many pant sizes? First they said, are you sick? I go, nah, man. I'm best oh, yeah. And then, you know, I started helping people in a small group. I started telling them about, hey, dude, get rid of the pastas, the breads, the start small. You know, you got to get rid of the sodas, all that extra sugar is just killing you. And people started losing weight, you know, and a couple, one guy lost 50 pounds and he started calling me. Keto five O is a joke because you know in the hood that you know yeah. and I was uh-huh. like man keto five O I like that so I started a Facebook group and you know started my you know all my Twitter and you know just started a little you know the social media stuff and then started a company with it you know I, in 2020 I got the chance to go to sports nutrition school online because you know COVID mm-hmm. I had met a guy from Low Carb USA that got me introduced to a school out there in San Diego called National Association of sports nutrition and it's more about nutrition based sports training and stuff 
And, okay. and I learned so much. There were so many words I didn't know how to say. I'd ask my wife how to say it because I came from 20 years of dumbing stuff down for police reports. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, my God, this language is a lot more tough than I realized. So it was hard, man. But you know what? I really absorbed it. I'm still learning every day with it and all the clients I help. You know, I'm not like killing it. But everyone I talk to, I always give them a little piece of advice or, I, you know, I help people along the way. And it's just been a great journey, man. It's I'm helping more people now than I did in that 20 years down there in Boynton Beach. And I helped a lot of co- people in Boynton Beach. I was a good cop, man. I was honorable. Never got jammed up. Treated people with respect because I learned a lot of that from my mom. So, I mean, that was. And I was a cop in my 30s. I think that's a big thing. A lot more. Yeah. I've already handled the security staff before for a, retail, a major department store. I learned people's personalities. I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to get people that stole stuff back to my office without handcuffing them. Uh, that's good, man. Without a fight. So the <laughs> started then and obviously helped me in my career. I think people forget about like those simple things called treating other people like humans and talking to them and just using that. Remember the old verbal judo? That was like the big yeah. thing back in the day. Now it's like verbal, verbal jujitsu, probably. Yeah. And, you know, most of it was like, playing football or basketball, you know, game's over, shake hands, yeah. you know, and then not that I shook hands with bad guys, but a lot of them would do like, hey, thank you, Officer Reynolds, for treating me with respect, man. You know, and they remember that. Later on, if I'm jammed up maybe in the hood, you might have mm-hmm. someone help out or stand in the way, and, you know, they. it's just, I don't know. I think where police work's going right now, I don't know, we're going to be like the fire department or something, just responding <laughs> to the calls. Whenever active patrol is going to go out the window, that's where all the problems happen, it seems, right? Nah, it's a, it's cyclic. It comes and goes, man. We know yeah. that. We know that, believe me, we know that after all these years, man. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm looking forward to everybody. Make sure you check out Eric Reynolds, Cops and Campers, and check out Griselda when it comes out. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Keto50.com.